If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inks, the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnBest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with a top founder to share their stories of guts, inspiration, and drive. This week, I have Jason Brown, co-founder and CEO of Tally, a consumer tech company that has built the first automated debt manager. Jason is a four-time founder. Before Tally, he co-founded the consumer solar finance company, Gen 110. After Gen 110 was acquired, he launched Tally to tackle the $1 trillion credit card debt problem. In June, Tally just raised $50 million Series C led by Andreessen Horowitz and now manages more than $400 million of consumer credit card debt. Welcome, Jason. So excited to have you. Thanks for having me, Alexa. Jason, first of all, I just want you to start with the basics. Who are you? What is Tally in your own words? And before we really dive in, I just want to say, as somebody who's incredibly passionate about personal finance for America and knowing that credit card debt is the most toxic part of the consumer's wallet, it's what paralyzes people. And post all my experience with LearnBest, I used to say credit card debt really is the thing that keeps America up at night. Just I wanted to say thank you for founding Tally. It's an incredible company. So- Tell us what Tally is. Well, we're, we're a financial automation company. And what that means is we're building technology capable of doing all of your financial thinking and your financial work. So the place that we started was building the first and only automated debt manager, which uh, helps people overcome credit card debt. And now we just added a, a completely free automated savings service that helps people set money aside so that they can build up a rainy day fund or even pay down their debt faster than they were before. So our vision and what we're working towards is to be able to do all of the financial thinking and work for the average person. So that means automating their entire financial life. So one thing I just want to say, your previous companies were so different. How'd you end up in the credit card space? Uh, like where well, did the aha moment come the from? The aha moment. So my passion for this, it's hard to talk about it without talking about my mom first. My mom is my hero. And the reason why she's my hero. Every human listening right now is like, God, we love you, Jason. <laughs> Every mom in America right now is like, that is exactly what I want my son to say one day. Uh, well, she's unbelievably special. And I'm so proud of her because she actually came from very modest uh, means and um, didn't have really any advantages in life. And it's unclear if she graduated from high school or not. But like if she did, it was just barely. But she went on to actually homeschool my brother and I, uh, which gave us the academic foundations that allowed us to graduate from elite universities. She is super hardworking. She has run her own little small business for 25 years and made a living doing it. And uh, she's 62, but she looks like she's 40. She is super disciplined. So she's disciplined with her diet and her exercise. But despite being so smart, so hardworking and so disciplined, I observed her being unable to reach any of her own financial goals. And growing up, there was just just a lot of financial anxiety in our household. And what seems wrong to me is that somebody that is so smart and hardworking and disciplined is effectively doing the American dream, but not getting to where they could go. I said, look, there's got to be a better solution than what is out there right now. And in my mind, the solution is being able to, you know, take that burden off of most people's shoulders and say, hey, let's be your psychologist for a little bit, help you figure out what you want as a human out of life. And then let's turn that into a plan that we, the software, 
software can actually execute on your behalf, do the thinking and work to get you to your goals. So the aha moment was realizing that it actually is possible to build what would currently require maybe four or five financial experts working for you full time, that it is possible to build that into software and to be able to give it to everybody so that everybody can be uh, less stressed and better off financially. So as we just said, um, credit card debt is a massive problem. Americans owe more than $1 trillion in credit card debt. And as I said, I know uh, from all of my background, it is like the most psychologically toxic one. Once you have credit card debt, you actually stop managing other parts of your finances because it keeps you up at night. What is making Tally work? You have unbelievable retention rates. Just tell us, what is it like to be a Tally consumer? So for everybody out there, again, most people have lots of credit card debt. There's no judgment, especially from Jason and I. Um, <laughs> Talk us through what people using Tally, what they feel, how they feel, what they experience, et cetera. Yeah, well, maybe it'd be helpful just to explain. So if you have credit card debt, you just download Tally and you put all your cards into Tally and actually Tally takes responsibility for paying all your cards for you every month. So the average person has about four credit cards, which means they have 48 due dates a year that most people are, are managing manually. There's $13 billion of credit card late fees on top of all the interest. And what Tally does is it takes that burden off of your shoulders and says, I'm going to pay all your cards at the exact right time, and I'm going to automatically start saving you money on interest, and our algorithms are going to help you get out of debt much faster. So it's really about taking not only the functional load of managing all the cards off of your plate, but the emotional load. And the core experience of Tally is actually the home screen. So it's a picture of a person with their feet on the table drinking coffee. And we have built a technology capable of doing all the thinking and work of this one job of pay off my credit cards. And the only thing that you as a customer need to do is once a month, you need to pay tally. And we even figure out how much you can and should pay, uh, given your cash flow and your upcoming expenses to make sure that you're paying off your debt as quickly as humanly possible, but making sure it's viable for your exact cash flow situation. So uh, we're really doing all the hard work for you. So one question I want to ask is, debt is tangled up with so much shame. Um, how do you think about building trust and empathy with your customers? How do you get somebody to be ready to tally? You can get ready to tally. I love it, Alexa. You're, you're welcome. Yeah, you're hired. <laughs> uh, our view is that the reason why money is so hard is because it is inexplicably tied with our emotions. And the number one emotion most people feel in related money is actually the anxiety emotion, which is it's actually of the fear genre, which means, you know, there's this problem that I don't fully have my head wrapped around and it's really scary. I don't know what to do. So we approach it from actually actually a design and emotional design perspective. So when you're signing up with Tally at a couple key moments, the app actually vibrates and it shoots you confetti and says, good job, you're making progress. So it's giving you that kind of emotional encouragement. And then once you're finally all set up, again, that home screen is feet on table, drinking coffee. There's actually some awesome socks that are involved with that. And it just, it's just that moment to say, oh, wow, like I can breathe that, that burden that was on my shoulders. I've now put it in a box and I've given it to Tally. And now I know this, this really smart entity is, is dealing it for me. And now I can focus on being a human and, and worry about the human things. So one thing I just want to get a sense of, as you think about helping a consumer understand, and I mean, it's interest rates, right? They're relatively, first of all, the average APR in the country is negative 17%. The average savings rate right now is what, two and a half percent. So I always struggle when I have to say that to people to say, 
credit card debt's incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. What do you think, you know, knowing that Tally mm-hmm. can actually eradicate credit card mm-hmm. debt, how do you keep people out of debt after Tally is being used? That's something we're really interested in. And one of the main reasons why people get into credit card debt in the first place is they don't have a cash buffer right? Because it turns out that credit cards are that buffer. So that's why the next automated service that we added is Tally Save. So it's an experience that automatically sets money aside for you every single week. And it actually rewards you for the act of saving. Because the insight that we had is that everybody knows they should be saving money and setting money aside. But a lot of people don't. And it's because it's hard, it requires sacrifice. So we said, we're going to build a completely free experience that will automate the problem, we will do all the hard work for you. But on top of that it actually gives you points every single time tally sets money aside for you so the actual habit of saving is now rewarding and you can take those points and either redeem them for gift cards from top retailers like amazon or uber or airbnb or uh, we actually partnered with charity water and you can donate the points to give people clean water so we're really not only thinking about hey we're going to automate the work but we're also going to reward you for good habits and help you build the habits you need to eventually achieve all of your financial goals. I want to talk a little bit about you having, you know, just raised $50 million at a massive valuation. I want to get a sense of like, first of all, how does that feel for you? Where do you feel like you are in this journey? So I have two things. I feel like I've gained an amazing partner. So Andreessen Horowitz, for those listeners who don't know, besides all the venture investors, they have about 140 or 150 what they call operating partners. So these are full-time people on Andreessen Payroll whose entire job in life is to help do work for you as a founder and make your life better. So I feel like I have a partner who's really invested in helping us achieve our mission, which is to make people less stressed and better off financially. And I have a partnership that stands behind me. So that part I'm very excited about. That said, uh, internally, every time we raise money, I always give the same speech which is raising money in and of itself is not an accomplishment. It's kind of like you're on this road trip and you stop at the gas station and you need a full tank of gas to keep going. So it is important. But what matters is our mission and helping people. So it's more of an input to doing the work we need. But I, I worry about companies that actually celebrate fundraising raising as an event of itself because I think it's the wrong thing to focus on. Amen. As an entrepreneur, now a venture investor, amen. Uh, So you're in the process of doubling your 90 person team. Um, What's your plan for maintaining company culture as you grow, knowing that that's what gets really hard? Just walk everybody through how you're thinking about that fresh infusion of capital. What does that mean? Internally, the thing I'm most proud of is actually our culture. And so we, we believe it or not, only have three core values. The one that's closest to my heart, it's about empathy. And we did a play on words of the idiom of walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. And so our, our version of that is change shoes often. And one of the most powerful capacities that humans have is the ability to imagine what it's like to be Alexa, what it might feel like or what it might think like to be her. And when people do that, they end up having this sense of connectedness and desire to help one another that they empathize with. And when people approach relationships with curiosity rather than judgment, it just creates, it's like a tree that bears all these kinds of fruit that are positive. So one of the core things I focused on is A, recruiting people who value empathy and have empathetic potential, and separately creating a space at Tally where people feel comfortable exercising empathy and they feel encouraged to do so. And for example, I just started a couple months ago doing, they're called Change Shoes 
use often lunches. And basically a group of five or six of us will grab lunch and we do an exercise where it's, if you really knew me. So one person for two minutes will just say things like, if you really knew me, uh, you'd know that I'm stressed and I'm grinding my teeth at night, which is true for me. And then I also have a mouth guard, by the way, Uh, that is like the sad truth of all entrepreneurs. You're like, I'm not stressed, but I grind my teeth and they have a problem. Yes, that's, that's, that's me. And so then once, once people on the team say, oh, wow, you're stressed too. You get stressed. You're not like immune or something like that. Then for a couple of minutes thereafter, everybody can ask questions or I'm curious about, or I wonder. So that's just a small example of how you create space and you model as a founder, the things that you hold most dear. And that's why I believe we can scale our culture because we're so focused on this like fundamental element of the human experience and making sure that is central to being at Tally. So really quickly, what do you feel like helped you attract such a great investor? Uh, Again, raising your Series C, lots of companies don't even get there. If you had to credit it to Mm -hmm. one thing, what would it be? Well, if I only got to do one thing, our retention cohorts are insane. So we retain 99% of our uh, customers month over month. So once people experience automation, they do not leave. They stay with Tally. If I got to say a second thing, uh, it's our mission. It's we are so motivated to make people less stressed and better off financially. And specifically, Angela Strange, who joined the board and led the round. Uh, If you read her page on Andreessen Horowitz, she's very passionate about leveraging technology to drive financial inclusion and make people's lives better. And her and I are just kindred spirits on that. And we care a lot about making people's lives better. So we have the numbers to back it up and we're growing really fast. But ultimately why we chose to work with Andreessen is because they're spiritually aligned with what we're trying to do. I love that. Can you give me one customer story of just like something that really was a moment where you're like, wow, our technology helped that person do X. So for me, it's actually, it goes back a little further and it's not tied to any one customer is, you know, there's this obsession of, I believe that we can automate people's financial jobs and that they will love it. But in the early days, most of the investors said customers won't trust software to do their work. They might trust it for a recommendation, but to really outsource it, they won't. And when I started seeing our user adoption start to hockey stick, and then to see the cohort, for those people who don't understand this, when you are getting a growing customer base, you want to make sure that the people that are using your product or service continue to do so over time. Stick around. Yeah, that they stick around. And when we saw that 99% of people were sticking around and that we were able to continually be a part of their lives and they were loving it, that was the point where I said, wow, I'm not crazy. This whole idea of getting to complete automation is something that we humans want and will embrace. It's just a matter of we got to build it. And that was the point where I was just like, hey, we can do this. Let's, Let's go even faster. Okay. I want to quickly move towards thinking a little bit about you. So you're an entrepreneur. You have built a handful of companies successfully. When did you know you became an entrepreneur? Like if you have to go back and use your own language to describe it, when was it? 13. Yes. So one of the, I guess, the upsides of growing up in a household that had limited means is if you wanted to have money, you had to go earn it yourself. And so when I was 13, no, actually, I'm sorry, it was nine. I actually have a little flyer that my mom luckily saved. I went to the library and I made these little flyers and I put my picture from my school on it. And it was all the services that I would be able to do for people. And I went door to door uh, throughout the entire community, knocking on doors and handing out these flyers so that they could hire me. And I remember it was like poop cleanup up, stacking wood, uh, sweeping. And, uh, you know, it wasn't truly a business, but at nine years old, uh, you know, it was my first attempt. That's pretty impressive. If if mine, I don't have a nine-year-old, but if my child was doing that at nine, I would be like, 
Oh my goodness, we have Mozart in the building. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm sure I'm sure you're as well. I'm sure you're as well. <laughs> so for, from my perspective, it has been a part of me since I was a, a little person. And you know, I started my first company at scale as a freshman in college. So it's it's basically all I know at this point. Ah, that's wonderful. What keeps you on the rails? Like for you personally, like we all get off the rails uh, as entrepreneurs. What keeps you on the rails? Cycling. So I, um, I actually, I'm a bit a big advocate of entrepreneurs setting time for themselves in their calendar. So I actually block myself out every Wednesday morning and I do a 60 mile bike ride from my house to the top of a mountain and back. It's called Mount Tamalpais. So it ends up being this like three or four hour experience of just being alone, thinking, exercising, and believe it or not, that's where most of my ideas come. And I have it be on Wednesday because it's right in the middle of the week. And I get to the top of this mountain and usually there's fog below. So you're above the fog and you look out over the entire Bay Area and you see like this little tiny city of San Francisco. And it's the point where I realize all of my problems and all of my stress is just they're all there. My family, everything's in that little space. And it just helps you have kind of perspective and you realize all the stress and pressure is self-inflicted and that like you just like you have that grounding and understanding like what's important and sticking that in the middle of the week for me saves my life. I was just going to say, how many weeks have you missed doing that in a year? Uh, well, so I unfortunately had a bike crash, so that set me out I'm for just... about six months. But before that, I would probably do it maybe 45 or so weeks a year because sometimes when it's raining, you can't go. But it's, uh, it's I something hope you that's wear very... a helmet. Oh, definitely. And, and all the other things. <laughs> yes. Um, Still a little dangerous. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was like, Jason. <laughs> um, and with that, we'll be right back after this. Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carta knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suites helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Give us a sense of your own personal growth um, as a CEO, going from zero to 90, 90 at some point to 180. What do you feel like you've had to get better at? Uh, well, can I talk about something that's more recent and personal? Yeah. So in the last year and a half, I have learned that emotions are not a liability, that they are not something that you should keep in a box and keep away from work. And I have, um, through an experience with a group of other CEOs, I have discovered, A, how to connect feelings in your body to words, which has been really uh, helpful for all aspects of my life. And then separately... By the way, I'm <laughs> cracking up. If anybody could see me in the studio, he's like, I figured out how to connect feelings to words and I'm like that's really good it's a good it's a good step forward it was it was really hard there's like literally I have this laminated sheet where it's got all the different words for emotion so <laughs> it was for the first six months I needed some uh, some help and it, but it's funny if you just sit with a feeling and you'll eventually find a word to go with it and you do it enough you'll by the way Jason is totally underplaying he's just like an EQ of a 10 um, but I love this story keep going so now I believe that a 
emotions are important data. It's not to say you make all your decisions on emotions, but you should let your feelings and what your sensations in your body inform your decisions. And separately, that unless you're willing to be vulnerable and express your emotions and what's going on for you, it's difficult to have the level of authenticity and intimacy that I think pushes relationships to the next level and deepens trust. So now one thing that uh, that I've implemented, which I love, is all my one-on-ones start with, in my work life, I'm feeling blank. And it ends up being like this 10 or 15 minute share sessions where I talk about what I'm feeling. They talk about what they're feeling. And we end up surprisingly, besides like connecting, we end up uncovering interesting things about the business or, or our work lives. And so uh, I just I'm a big believer now that, that emotions are this valuable um, tool, resource and asset for business people. And I would encourage anybody listening who has a business or aspires to is don't neglect the emotional side of your own development because it's not all about your cerebral intellectual side. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. One of the things that I think is hardest for entrepreneurs is to, you know, your company scales as quickly as you can. Um, And that means tons of growth, tons of things to get better at. And all jokes aside, I'm really grateful for you being honest that uh, you're like, I have to figure out emotions are not a liability. There are days that running a company, though, uh, I actually had somebody say this to me the other day, a CEO who had never been a CEO. She'd been on the C-level team and then she stepped into the CEO suite. She said, literally more things come that are so challenging to the CEO that your day is essentially just an emotional roller coaster that doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. It's like the best thing that just came and then the worst thing and then the best thing right after it. And there are moments where you have to be like, I'm not a robot. Like I have an emotional response to these things and getting really good at being able to not only like let your emotional response happen, but also to contain it though. Um, because otherwise you can have a day that needs to end at 3 p.m. because you're so exhausted because everything has been challenging or a day where you have, you know, maybe too much hubris because it feels really like things are going the right direction. And I do think that that's really learning to be able to control your own emotional response while also being not a robot is pretty important. What other aha moments have you had over the last calendar year as you've been standing up tally in this big moment? There's this book called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And it's actually a really simple model, which is there's just a line drawn horizontally on a piece of paper. And it's you're either above the line or below the line. So the very basic idea is you're either conscious of how you're, let's say you're either experiencing your emotions or suppressing your emotions. And what a lot of people do is that they're committed, they're below the line, they're committed to being right. And conscious leadership is about committed to learning and committed to being open and curious. So one of the areas that I've been focusing on is just in any situation, I'm just constantly reminding myself, is am I committed to learning and growth and being curious? Or right now, am I feeling this desire to just be right? And if you can be more aware of that, um, I think you'll end up making, or at least I believe I end up making better decisions and I'm better able to support people because I'm just constantly reminding myself it's not about being right. It is about trying to learn and get the best outcome of a situation. And so that's been uh, an area of growth I've been focusing on. I love it. I just love the simplicity of that. I think that's fantastic. So I want to quickly go back to Tally a little bit. When you think about your competition for Mm -hmm. Tally, how do you think about that? I think about it on two levels. One is let's talk about the big picture, which is 
in the future, every single one of us will have an intelligent service that mediates our relationship with the financial system. Okay, that service will again, it will help us figure out what we want out of life. And it will actually deal with most of the day to day, the doing and the moving and, and the deciding. So that's inevitable. So I assume anybody could be a competitor, uh, anybody from Facebook all the way to a startup that doesn't even exist. So I'm super paranoid. And that's why we're focused on running as fast as we possibly can, because that's what we can control. Separately, it is unclear to me anybody who's a competitor today because we are the only company who is fully committed to getting to complete financial automation. And we've actually made the business model decisions necessary to get there. And one example is with tally cards, the only way we make money is by saving people money on their high interest credit card debt. We don't make it through ads. We don't make it by like charging the customer. Our incentives are aligned with making them better off, which allows us to do things that let's say folks with an ad supported business model can't do. So uh, again, uh, we believe that eventually that's inevitable, but it's unclear who right now is committed to that, uh, that outcome. What do you worry about about America's wallet just generally? If we step back, look at the country, it's 2019, what, what keeps you up at night? So it's the two things we're working on. Credit card debt keeps me up at night because you you nailed it. So we use this medical instrument called the State Trade Anxiety Index to measure what people feel when it relates to their credit card debt. And two thirds of Americans actually feel clinical levels of anxiety. Yeah. I mean, it is very high. And this is like similar to what you might feel in a doctor's office waiting for some serious results. Okay. That worries me because that's a lot of teeth grinding. It really is a tax on the human experience. And quite honestly, it's just sad to me. Um, it's sad because it's a solvable problem. And I want to obviously help people be better off financially, but we actually, the first part of our mission is to make them less stressed. So that I care a lot about. And separately is, you know, right now, um, 40% of Americans cannot afford a $400 uh, unexpected expense. And that is just, it is just a lot of anxiety driven by being on the edge. And most of those people could have a cash buffer if they, you know, had some of these things done for them. So I really want Americans to obviously get rid of their card debt and build up a cash buffer just so there's more resilience in their, in their day-to-day financial lives. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I think income inequality in America is getting worse. It's incredibly worrisome. And to your point, average American family has $400 in savings, $9,000 in credit card debt, and people spend about four hours a week, which is essentially half a day of work, juggling their financial stress. And just think about what that does to productivity and people's health. And that actually is really impacting work. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's not a good situation. Uh, it's moving in the wrong direction. I want to uh, ask a question. If you, so given that you are, um, uh, you know, I think we both are obviously so passionate about uh, personal finance, but if you fast forward 10 years, what do you think our wallets look like? Like, what are your predictions? My prediction comes back to this. Right now we're in a world, I call it the mobile tools phase, where most people have all these different apps and they're kind of like, imagine a toolbox where you have a hammer and a screwdriver and a wrench and the owner is on you to say, oh, this is how I'm going to use this wrench to get me to my goal. Okay. Fast forward 10 years, you won't even know the wrenches and hammers will exist. Those are going to be in a box and those are going to be controlled by this intelligent service. And the intelligent service will be focused on figuring out, Alexa, what do you as a human want out of life? I want my kids to go to college. I want to be able to retire at this age. You know, I want to have a little bit bigger house. Like it's it's going to be about what your, what your wants and desires are. And the service is going to figure out what's reasonable and what maybe is not reasonable and help you come to terms with that. And then it will be... Um, controlling these underlying tools, like all these financial things that are in our lives. And I actually think there's a good chance 10 10 years from now, 
people won't actually know what a 401k is or a 529 plan. They'll just know that I am making progress towards retirement or my kids' college funds are getting uh, funded. And the actual kind of abstraction from these like technical terms will go away and will be a lot less stressed because uh, we don't have to worry about like how it's actually being done. Given that you got to literally and you get to look every day at people's wallets, give me a sense of something unique that you learned, something special that is maybe not normal about how people operate when it comes to their wallets or um, a certain language mm-hmm. that worked or something that you kind of had. And, and I'll give you an example for mm-hmm. LearnVest. When we were at LearnVest, we found that once you make above $70,000 mm-hmm. individually, you actually begin to care about your money in a different way mm-hmm. because you actually have some extra. Mm-hmm. If you're not making more than that, you're like literally gasping for air. Mm-hmm. And so we quickly learned that once you're above that number, you actually begin to want to talk to a human to maybe help you figure things out. Yep. What's an equivalent that you've learned at Tally? Uh, so one that the thing that you actually see if you look at your credit card statement, the number that is in the biggest font and the boldest is that thing called the minimum payment. And it's a really low number. And banks are trying to use a cognitive bias called anchoring effect, which is if I show you a number, it will control how much you pay. And so what what I found the most surprising is validation of the academic, um, which is that if we recommend people pay a lot more rather than recommending paying a minimum, they will pay a lot more towards their total debt. So it's just by taking the cognition of what should I pay, which maybe on the surface sounds like a simple thing to answer, but it involves, wow, I have four cards, I have like upcoming expenses. It ends up being this like potentially four or five hour problem to figure out the right number. If you you can just like do that for people. So there's one button and they can say, okay, cool. I pay what's recommended that people will pay a lot more than they would otherwise. And it makes me all the more kind of frustrated with the existing banks because they're manipulating people to pay as little as possible on their cards because that's what's best for the banks, but it's worse for consumers and seeing what a big impact using data and technology to just get people to do what they want, which is to be better off and make that easy. uh, That was a big aha moment for me. It's so amazing how much uh, psychology really goes into uh, your wallet and financial planning. So quick fire round. What's your coolest pinch me moment so far at Tally? The coolest pinch me moment. It was that moment uh, when we saw people loving Tally and using Tally and not wanting to leave Tally. And we would get messages to our user success like, oh, my God, I can't imagine life without Tally. Like, please, can you do all these other things for me? That was when I was like, oh, my God, this is going to work. And uh, we got a lot of work to do. That's I, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. For you, what gets you out of bed in the morning? I want to make the human experience better for the people that work at Tally and Americans' lives. It's just the idea that we can use technology to make people's day-to-day moments better and allow it to be more fulfilling to be a mom or to go to work. Uh, That's what makes me excited to go to work. When you are interviewing somebody, what is the question that you like to ask that you feel like really gets to the kernel of who they are? Mm. So what's your favorite the, interview my, question? My favorite interview question is for you, what are your pillars of happiness? Give me like what's been the kind of most interesting answer you've heard someone say. Well, so there's there's divergent. There's people who haven't thought about it, which tells you a lot. Uh, and then there's people who have. And I would say they're all the same. It's it's things around learning. So that's usually a pillar. There's something around family relationships and other people. And then there's usually something about the physical self. So either physical exploration, like going on trips or uh, health or something like that. But but it's it's shocking how actually uniform most people's are. It's rare that I've ever had somebody say a pillar is being rich. And so it's either because they're 
being modest uh, or that uh, money actually doesn't make you happy once you're over a certain threshold, which I believe, and that it's more about these these fundamental things of your life. Last two questions. Mm -hmm. So what is one thing that everybody should know about Tally that you're just incredibly proud of? Well, we haven't been able to talk about how freaking hard it is to do what we're doing and what massive engineering and business challenges uh, we've A, solved, but are ahead of us. So I would say if you are uh, you know, uh, an engineer who loves to work on really hard software business problems with a purpose behind it, where your day-to-day work is going to go directly to make people have better lives, that you should definitely go to the Tally's job page and, uh, and join our team. I love it. One last thing. So the best founders pay it forward. So it's a two-part question. Uh, first is, what's the best advice that you would give to uh, an entrepreneur starting today? And then the second question is, what's one company that we should know about that maybe we haven't heard? Ooh. So invest in inclusion and diversity from the very start. And simultaneously with a key part of inclusion is your culture. So one of our first hires was actually and is our head of people uh, who he and I are very passionate about building a company that is inclusive, which ends up yielding diversity. So our view is you have to invest in the culture and the inclusion and then the diversity will, will follow. If you don't start working on it early, it's just really, really freaking hard and it's really, really freaking hard, even when you do start in the, in the early days. So it's just one of those things that I think gets overlooked and it, people don't examine it until it's a problem in a company. So it has to be part of your, your bedrock foundation from the very beginning. That's a great point. I love that. Um, and then one company that we should all know about or download mm. or use that is up and coming. Okay. So I'm obsessed. Uh, maybe maybe you won't think this is a startup, but I'm obsessed with Charity Water. So uh, Charity Water is our partner for Tally Save. But what makes them so innovative is actually 100 cents on the dollar that you donate goes directly to giving people clean water. And they set up a structure where, where actually separate donors fund all their operations, which allows people who donate money to get that pure giving experience. And they are working to... To, uh, eradicate the issue that one in 10 people in the world have, which is they don't have access to clean water. And the work they're doing is just, uh, it just really blows my mind. And they're, uh, from my perspective, one of the most innovative charities out there. And so I'm just honored to be their partner and personally support them. And I, I hope we can eradicate the, uh, the water crisis in the world in the next 25 or 30 years. I absolutely love it. Jason, thank you so much for joining me today. If you want to learn more about Tally, go to www.meettally.com and join us next week for Inks the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. Jason, I am so grateful for the incredible work that you're doing for America and to help people get rid of their credit card debt. It really is, in my humble opinion, God's work. So thank you uh, and best of luck. Thank you so much. It was a ton of fun to be here. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. You can subscribe to Inks the Founders Project with Alexa Montobel wherever your podcasts are offered.